Welcome to Exploring Filipino Kitchens. I'm your host, Nastasha Ali. Today we're talking with Francis Ang about Pinoy heritage, touching on what it means for him and how his experiences led to the Pinoy heritage pop-up dinners that he organizes with his wife, Diane. I gotta confess, I've been following Francis online for a while, mostly on Instagram, and I love how he plates his renditions of classic Filipino dishes. The colors, the textures, the brightness. Somehow, it evokes the sense of, like, movement on a plate. And it's so interesting to see homey Filipino dishes like adobo or kilowin plated in that way. But it never feels out of touch, at least for me. And I'm pretty particular about that kind of stuff. What I mean by that is, it's not strictly fine dining food, but it totally merits, in my mind, like a full spread in one of those glossy food magazines I subscribe to. The plates that are served to people during these Pinoy Heritage pop-up dinners are beautiful to me in representing Philippine cuisine because I get the sense that Francis puts a solid understanding or getting a solid understanding of the cuisine first. After chatting with him, I realized that the knowledge gap that I've been trying to identify and address these last couple years, specifically about Filipino food, is an actual problem that exists, and it's not just me with my crazy book collection. Simply put, there's a lack of accessible resources on Filipino food for those who are interested in it. Whether you're in the Philippines or someplace else across the globe, a lot of younger Filipino chefs I'm hearing are coming across this issue, and hopefully this kind of knowledge gap is something that we can address soon. Anyway, today we're going to hang with Francis Ang to talk about how the Pinoy Heritage Dinner Series started, where he finds inspiration for his take on Philippine classics, very Bay Area inflected, and about introducing Philippine food traditions and recipes to diners who aren't really sure what to expect when they go to a Filipino pop-up dinner. This very newfound way of sharing some time and crowd-tested food traditions from the motherland. Here's Francis. Hey, my name is Francis. Hello, everybody. We uh, run Pinoy Heritage, as Nastasha mentioned. Um, it's me and my wife and Danica, our other partner as of now. Could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Maybe some of your early cooking experiences and how that kind of led to what you're doing right now. Yeah, um, I grew up in Manila. Never really knew how to cook, honestly, until I was 19, until I went to culinary school in City College. Um, growing up, I'm Filipino-Chinese, so I grew up with diverse food. Uh, Filipino food, Chinese food going to Chinatown. And then until I came here, I learned how to cook. So I went to City College. That's in San Francisco. First first class was uh, pastry. And then that's when, that's when I appreciated pastry a lot more because it was an outlet. Um, it's, it was a creative outlet. I could, like growing up, I never knew how to sing, dance, do anything, paint draw there's zero talent 
so until until I went to city college, then I appreciate pastry, and then I focused a lot more on pastry. Uh, worked in Crown Plaza Hotel as more, mostly savory, and then I worked at a bakery, and then eventually left work at Fifth Floor as a savory cook. And I was trained by first Gary Danko, which is like a lot of classic French dishes, pastries, and whatnot. And then I went to Fifth Floor with David Bazargan, and he's very spice heavy. He's uh, American Armenian. So I learned a lot about spices. And then we get this amazing wall of different spices. So, and then working with, I consult for Taj Campton for pastries right now. So a California Indian. So again, more spices. And then from there, 2013, I went on a vacation with my wife to the Philippines. It was during that time we were in Samar where the Typhoon Yolanda happened, Typhoon Haiyan. So we were there and then we got stuck an extra week off the grid. It was pretty crazy. We didn't know how extreme the the typhoon was going to, I guess nobody knew. So towns were displaced, you know, just, just like wiped off the map. Families were just disappearing. It was, it was chaos. After the typhoon, we walked around uh, different towns, neighboring towns. It was just like devastating. It was, it was, I don't know. It was, there's no words for it. So we tried to do, um, we went to the market. We would try to buy whatever we can just to be able to feed the neighboring town. We were lucky because our town uh, my wife's town, family, family's town, there was two islands blocking it. So the wave didn't go in. So it like the other towns beside us were just wiped out. We bought two sacks of sweet potatoes. We did as much as we can. You didn't realize how, how valuable life is, how crazy. One second you're okay, and the next day you're like, it just disappears. Um, I mean, I can only imagine the, the type of the type of experience that someone can walk away with after, you know, being in that particular environment where you're really seeing, you know, the, the communities and how, I guess, resilient people are, even in, in those types of situations. I see how that, I guess, that there really did have a, a big impact on how you decided to kind of move forward with your cooking career and what you wanted to do once you got back to San Francisco. So we came here back to fifth floor. Um, we did a fundraiser, all Filipino food, and then people were really happy. It was well received. Um, yeah, that's, that planted the seed for us, for our Pinoy heritage. Yeah, it was it was it was an amazing feeling to see how oh, by the way, when we were gone there was like a whole lot of chefs here in San Francisco with Liam Maklem. Um they did a huge fundraiser for the Philippines. So I didn't realize until I came back they were like calling or I mean, we were in Manila. They were calling us, Yeah, we're doing all this fundraiser. We were everybody was calling you, everybody was calling your family, trying to figure out where you were. Even your even your mom didn't know where you were or like what happened because there was no not, no communication at all. 
we were supposed to fly off Kaploban where the the eye of the typhoon happened and the majority of the chaos happened. Um, but just it's astounding how you know just human beings react to help each other. It's it's very humbling for sure. In, in 2013, too, I, I volunteered with an organization called uh, Next Day Better. Uh, you may have heard of them. I know they've put up a couple of events uh, in San Francisco as well. But a big kind of uh, driver to that particular organization was really the, the typhoon, too. And for me, like living in North America at, at the time, it was re- humbling is totally the right word to use because then, you know, like even um, strangers would volunteer and participate in these fundraisers and you really see that the, the amount of care that kind of goes into, you know, caring for other people. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's totally um, a reflection, I guess, of like Filipinos themselves too <laughs> and and how that comes out in, in whatever they're doing. I wanted to tell you that I really love about your um, your dinner series is precisely that where the way that you share photos of the stuff you're working on and how you come up with certain dishes like even that in itself is really kind of uh, encouraging and it really excites me as a person who's never come to your dinners to come check it out so I guess the my my question is when you first got back to San Francisco and started thinking about, you know, you wanted to put up this pop-up dinner series, what did you have in mind? Like, were you kind of thinking of doing your take on, like, some regional dishes? Or were you kind of driven more about, like, local, a lot of local California produce? And just wondering if you can share a bit about, like, how the dishes, like, first started coming up. So, I knew I wanted to do Filipino food after that. I don't know how or why. It was something that it's been calling. I've always put Filipino dishes here and there in different format, either savory or desserts to like Fifth Floor or Dirty Habit or wherever. Even the Taj Kemp that I consult right now is California Indian, but I still sneak in like some Filipino ingredients in there. <laughs> but We've been doing this pop-up for, what is it now, a year and a half? Yeah. So it took a while for us to figure out what we want to do and what format we want to go. Last year, we traveled the Philippines for culinary research for six months. Um, That definitely opened our minds of how much unknown territory we don't, you know. We went to Bicol, Eastern Samar, and then drove up to Northern Samar, all the way Bicol to Manila. We learned all these amazing dishes that we've that's inspired us to create new renditions of. We we just keep taking notes and then asking either like our neighbors cook or relatives, relatives, relative to just like full on, all right, we're cooking today or in the next three days. They they would ask us what what kind of dishes do you want? It was like everything. We we cook like uh, one day we cooked like ten 10, 15 dishes. Just, I mean, there was like a lot of us. There was like three full cars of just family driving up north to Manila from summer. So there was a lot of food, but there's a lot of people to eat it. So we, we cooked a ton. And 
you know, you just take your notes and then you come here, you go to farmer's market, which we, we love here in San Francisco. There's, there's like every day, there's a different farmer's market. It doesn't matter what day of the week. So you, you know, you go to the market, you see that, and then it triggers a memory of like, okay, I should do, um, pinangat with Swiss chard, which we recently did, or we did like, we travel in Ilocos as well. So we did, we learned how to make, a Ilocano empanada. And then last winter was, uh, endives, chicory season. So we use that as a filling instead of green papaya. The way we create a dish is the Filipino soul needs to be in it. Um, whether it's it'll be a traditional dish that we spin off or it needs to be a traditional ingredient that we use in either uh for example, let's say pancit. We would we would make pancit and then think of of like an Italian pasta. So we would we would think of adding a touch of butter and then put in like soy sauce, garlic, you know, however traditional pancit is. That's how we spin up the dishes. I think one of the things that makes it really relatable, like the stuff that you're doing now and the stuff that a lot of chefs are um, are doing now, whether they're second or first generation Filipinos, is that there's really a lot of that respect that kind of comes with understanding what the soul of like those dishes are and um i totally love your your outlook on it where your rendition or your take of a certain food like it has to be rooted i guess in like some part of that dish that's really what the original filipino uh delicacy or dishes is about so like for example pinangat as you mentioned um it can can you tell me exactly what pinangat is it's the is it taro leaves that is wrapping something? Mm-hmm. So it's the way we learn it there is um, they take a fish and then they uh, they paxiu, which is they cook it in either vinegar or some acidifier, garlic, onion, ginger, and then they scrape it. And then they add chopped taro leaves and stems. They put it inside the, co- uh, the taro leaf and then wrap it and then cook it in coconut milk. The way we learn it in Bicol, that's how they did it. Bicol is a region widely known to be the Philippines' best place for cooking anything and everything with coconuts. I've even got a book called The Coconut Cookery of Bicol that attests to how ingrained it is in the local culture. So we take that same concept and just apply it whatever local dishes we can get here. And there's just amazing, amazing produce here in San Francisco. I can't stress it enough. So that's really what kind of like makes it a bit of a hotbed, I guess, for, uh, you know, these types of um, food, I guess, concepts. You can still call it that for experimenting with how you want to interpret just how those kind of like dishes are really developed or inspired, I guess, by by traveling. Um, around the time that you were visiting the Philippines last year as well, I was also I was also there. And um, the purpose of my visit then was uh, I wanted to go to Mindanao because I had never gone. And, um, you know, when you when you grow up in Manila, there's still kind of there's still a big kind of cloud that hangs over um, just visiting Mindanao in general. 
like what kind of food they had there. Like I was really curious about visiting Davao and like going to see like, um, you know, I went to visit some chocolate farms and like where they grew coffee there. You know, I, I totally like treasured the three weeks that I was there. It was a short stay, um, but I learned so much. And like after I came back from that trip, that was when I decided, you know what, like I totally want to do the podcast. Like I want to keep blogging about it because... Um, you know, like the only way that you're going to be able to start sharing those kinds of stories about how certain foods in those regions are eaten and like, you know, how people enjoy them too. There's not enough people talking about it. So, you know, the part that I can do best for myself as someone who uh, writes and like does a lot of media stuff is to kind of do it my way <laughs> to talk about it online. And uh, so I guess that's, it's a very similar concept for even um, like the Filipino food movement. And, you know, we have all these folks uh, joining the Instagram page and like sharing their like homemade recipes. So I don't know, it's really, it's really heartwarming because it's like you see so much, um, I guess, potential and a lot of drive behind uh, people kind of exploring their own, uh, their own identity and their own kind of appreciation and understanding of the food uh, through whatever way that they can, right? Whether they do it professionally or, or at home. That's very true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, un we honestly have a trip coming to go try to go to Mindanao region, um, Davao, Zamboanga, General Santos. Hopefully, you know, we'll see. That trip happened after we recorded our interview. But we definitely gonna explore that that Malaysian Indonesian Muslim country, you know that 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 specific cuisine. It's very different from what you grew up in Manila. So I'm I'm trying to incorporate that more Filipino dishes. That's why we want to travel to Mindanao, where you know there's spices are really used. Yeah, like try out la palapa and uh see how that's made from scratch kind of thing honestly like the only regional cuisine like that i've had is in manila by by capo <laughs> it was just like it was i don't i've never had it before until last last year i was like what the hell is this oh my god i need to travel more yeah <laughs> it just really makes you realize like how how large the the philippines is and and to kind of get to explore all that yeah, I think I think what opened our mind too is the Madrid fusion for sure. And uh, last year, uh, Chef Tatong was talking on stage about the Mindanao cuisine. That's Chef Tatong Sarto, a very well-respected chef and advocate for regional Philippine cooking. And that was like, well, definitely got to go check it out. Yeah, so we're pulling people we know so we can actually get relatives or whoever to actually teach us the dishes because you can't just go there and like hey i want to learn everybody's gonna look at you <laughs> so you gotta know you gotta find people you know exactly absolutely and that's what's exciting to me about filipino cuisine you, you touched on it uh, a little bit earlier where you know you're going around like samar and you're going through all these towns and um even to me i guess where it comes from is that you know, there are so many different techniques and so many different, even ingredients that um, many other Filipino cooks are not familiar with either because they're just, they're not from that region, maybe, or 
you know, they just haven't heard about it or not very many people use it in, in regular Filipino cooking. Um, so that's what's really exciting about even the stuff that um, about the stuff that you're doing with Pinoy Heritage, where, uh, you know, you're trying to incorporate a lot of these different cooking styles and techniques with the stuff that, um, that you serve uh, to guests. gears a little bit and I'm going to refer to a couple of the dishes that you have on your Instagram feed just because I kind of want to see like how some of those dishes were made. So for example the pinangat that you mentioned I see that you have um, so it's uh, Swiss chard, pickled stems, uh, halibut, coconut milk, kumquats, and uh, baby shrimp. So I guess in in that like presentation like how did you do it differently from from the regular pinangat? Um, this one, what we did is uh, we got some fresh coconuts. We used the water to poach the fish. Uh, we poached the fish, we took it out, and then we marinated it with like the buxiu, the vinegar, ginger, garlic. And then we folded back in the blanched Swiss chard. So, because over there they cook the coconut leaves from raw. And then you just keep cooking, cooking, cooking. Eventually, your fish will become really tough. Or either really tough or really soft. You know, it, it's delicious either way, but I want to make sure it translates well here. If you're testing a recipe, for example, like the pinangat, that you want to translate into, you know, stuff that you're going to serve at the pop-up dinner, um, when you're when you're testing it out in like in your kitchen, like are those what are some of the things that you kind of like keep in mind? So like for the fish like that, you want to make sure that it's like it stays the right texture. Like, yeah, I mean we have that we have the right tools to do the pop up. So this one we have like a controlled oven where it doesn't go crazy with temperatures. A lot of the dishes we get or we create is whatever's available, whatever's in season, what, what we can get. Majority of the inspiration is just what's around. And there's a lot around. So like kum kumquats is just amazing. So it needs, the fish needs to be cut with something, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of acidity, um, brightness. Watermelon radish is just like another funk that adds to the dish. And then the, Baby shrimp is alamang that we might have just brought here in the States from the Philippines. And then we added a little bit of a vaduvan. It's like a French curry, onion, very onion heavy. So we added a little bit of that to, to add another layer of, of flavor. So you got like acid, spice, fattiness, and just freshness from the kumquat. This attention to detail is what really makes the style of Filipino cooking stand out. You can see where the professional training that Francis had has shaped things. Gary Danko, that first restaurant he worked in, is one of San Francisco's top French restaurants. If you look it up online, you'll see superb dining and exemplary service as common descriptions of people's experiences eating at the restaurant. But 
what's worth celebrating, I think, is the fact that Francis takes that sensibility for creating a really memorable dining experience. Not something often associated with Filipino food, especially in the restaurant circuit. Sourcing local ingredients and translating Filipino recipes to adapt to that local produce while improving upon traditional cooking techniques. All that kind of stuff contributes to developing the profile of Philippine cuisine as a whole. And this approach definitely isn't something that only Francis does, not by a long shot. It really inspires me to think that more people are starting to think this way about our food. Because it's not boxed in by what your grandparents think it is, or what traditional Filipino food is supposed to be. And if you don't live in the Philippines, that isn't even a barrier at all. There's so much interest in Filipino food by both Filipinos and non-Filipinos, I think because we're really starting to realize how much there is to discover about the culture and the traditions and the geography and just the origins of these everyday things that are very normal for Filipinos, especially for regional cuisines. One of the things too that I want to kind of ask you about is like the the influence because the uh, you know you you mentioned about uh, some of the the other chefs that you've uh, worked with before at the Taj Compton and um, the two other places as well before that where uh, you know the first was more like French uh, traditional French I guess and then the other one um, where you were really uh, encouraged to like play with spices and like understand the depth that the spices can really bring to you. Um, so I guess like in terms of like expanding like your, you know, the different styles and like what you want to do with some of these like Filipino dishes, like how important is it to you to be able to like learn from, from other people, from other chefs and kind of use that as like, I guess, like a springboard for some of the stuff that you want to, that you want to do. I mean, every chef's experience creates their own originality, I think. That's that's how I can cook Filipino this way and another person can cook a different way. It, it's not like mine's better than, my Filipino food's better than yours. It's just very different. Um, I think what's the most important part is, what, what which I tell a lot of chefs who does Filipino food is, if you have the chance, if you have the time, you really need to visit the Philippines because it's just beyond what you think. There's you know, every, every, every time we research something, we find something new and it's, and it's just very inspiring. And, and you really don't want to F up Filipino food for the rest of the people. <laughs> so please do your research and you really need to go visit because it's, it's, you need to find a soul. That's the most important part. You gotta find that soul. I guess, in a nutshell, that's what Pinoy Heritage is about. Yeah. I, I, so, basically, what we say is that the type of Filipino... Our Filipino food is, a, is, is with a nod to tradition in a California sense, basically. 
can you tell us a little bit about what your pop-up dinners are like? Who comes to the dinners? And I guess, what kinds of feedback have you received? To be quite frank, everything is well-received because people who go into pop-ups aren't the same people who go in the regular restaurants. They know what they're trying, they know what they're getting into. Um, either like a good review from a from a blogger or a food writer. But all in all, there's a lot of people who hasn't had Filipino food that comes to the pop-ups. And everybody so far is pretty happy with what we've put out. And I can't say how blessed we are with with the with the pop-ups we've had so far. Um, there's a lot of support definitely from Filipino food movement and just local local media here in San Francisco. And just lo- even local chefs are just coming out. Local uh, industry people are coming out. So it's, it's really cool. We definitely feel the love out here. What's it like in the community of Filipino chefs over there in San Francisco? I mean, we all pretty much, for the most part, know a lot about each other. Um, Collaboration-wise, I haven't really collaborated with a lot, but we all support each other here. We go visit each other's restaurants and find each other inspiring. It's it's pretty cool. Um, It's just cooking styles are different everywhere. Would you ever thought back then, like when you were when you were a teenager in Manila, that you'd be doing this, like now? Absolutely not. <clears throat> I don't know how to cook until I was like nineteen, twenty. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's more of survival the way I I learn how to cook. Is you know, you grew up in Manila, you're pretty spoiled, and never had to cook anything, and then you come here, like, oh man. I want Filipino food. I don't know where to go. I don't have any money. <laughs> so you, you have to learn. <laughs> Back home, when I was growing up, like we had, uh, we had a helper at home. Uh, so she was our, she was our yaya who helped raise myself and my two other siblings. And, you know, she would often do the cooking. My mom and my dad were both working. They worked like insane hours, and you know they'd be they'd be home every night at ten o'clock because traffic in Manila is just like horrible. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me like until I moved to Canada and I moved out of my parents' house because I went to school in a different uh, city. One of the reasons why I started writing my my food blog um, with my kind of like Canadianized recipes is that. Uh, I was really craving for sinigang one time because I was sick and I was living by myself and I'm like, I don't know how to make sinigang from scratch. <laughs> I'm likely like, I don't even want to go to like Chinatown to get the powder because there's really no other way that I can make sinigang by going to like my local grocery store. Stuff like that kind of made my head start, you know, made me start thinking like, you know, there must be a different way to get the dishes or do the dishes that I want to satisfy, like, you know, the, the craving or the flavor that I'm looking for. You, you definitely take it for granted, you know, <laughs> until you come out on your own, for sure. Did you have any particular Filipino foods that you were, like, just your favorite? Uh, it's definitely sinigang. <laughs> I grew up a skinny kid, and I would, everything else didn't seem good until sinigang. Growing up when I was like five, six years old, it took me like two hours to eat a meal. And then if it's sinigang, it's like 10 minutes done. 
for sure Sinigang. Do you have any advice for people who are interested in cooking Filipino dishes and recipes, but maybe aren't sure where to start? Um, for me, for people who just wants to learn how to make Filipino food, just you you need to travel the Philippines. I mean, first it's a it's a I guess a good excuse because Philippines is one of the most beautiful countries in the world the amazing beaches the most hospitable people um that's that's a good excuse for you to learn how to make filipino food um and just know that yes there's traditional ways but you don't need to go the traditional route just know the soul of the food and the dish because filipino food is an evolution you know, either the Chinese traders, then the Filipinos absorbed it. You know, you got like lumpia, pancit, and you got the Spanish, you got the Malaysian influence. So it's just an evolution of food. You know, eventually Filipino food will blow up here in the United States, or I guess it is already. And it's evolving again to local produce of what is available here. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's a fusion, you know, it's overused word and people just butcher that word. Even though Filipino food is true fusion in that in, in a sense. So just make it tasty. <laughs> don't try too don't try too hard, just make it tasty. And you just need the soul. That's for me the most important part, soul. You got it, Francis. To me, too, it's that soul paired with this almost ingrained hospitality that I love about sharing Filipino food with others. It gives me a lot of pleasure and joy just being able to do that. So Filipinos are known for being hospitable. Um, it's just very genuine. You know, you come to a Filipino's house. Oh, let's eat. Have you eaten yet? Kaina. It's always, you, you have to be full. So I think, you know, if you come to my pop-up and you say, I'm so hungry, by all means, you need to tell me this. I will feed you until you're happy. I t I've told people in my pop-up dinners, if you're hungry, you let me know, I will send you another course and I will be very happy to do that. Um, that's just part of it, of being Filipino. You, you just take care of people. There's just genuine love, I think. We're just geared that way. Yeah, it's just beyond it's beyond a job. It's just second nature, I believe. And people here in North America who's have had Filipino friends and been there into their family's house, they I'm sure they're like agreeing with me too because they're not gonna leave until they're extremely full. that, I hope you found this episode just as satisfying. I am definitely craving some kind of Filipino food, so I'm probably going to end up making something for dinner. Visit PinoyHeritage.com to learn more about Francis and his team, and to book a seat for their next dinner if you're in the Bay Area. 
My warmest thanks to Francis Ang for this interview. I definitely look forward to where Pinoy Heritage goes next. Music for this episode is by David Seste for the opening credits, Eric and McGill, and Lee Rosevear. They share their music along with an incredible roster of artists at fma.org. For those of you subscribed to the show, I'm so sorry this month's episode was a bit late. There's a lot going on here in Toronto, and I'm so excited to share that with all of you soon. I've been involved with a number of different Filipino food events in the city, and the energy from each of those projects, each of those communities we work with, it really is something to experience. I can't say that enough. I'm hooked on sharing Filipino food culture in as many ways as possible, and if you're interested in learning more about that, head over to nastasha.ca, that's N-A-S-T-A-S-H-A dot C-A to learn more. And as before, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes by looking up Exploring Filipino Kitchens. My RSS feed is now finally working again, so please do subscribe, and if you had issues with it before, it should be working now, but please do drop me a line if you're having any problems with it. And visit exploringfilipinokitchens.com for further information about this and other episodes we've done. Maraming salamat, and thank you for listening.